Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Miami Heat podcast. This is Sean Rochester. I am joined, as always, by the champ, Norris Cole. The champ is here. We are in the building for another episode. Sean, what is going on, my brother? Glad to be back. We took a week off. We had a little bit of uh, scheduling issues last week between your game schedule and I had some things going on. And so we apologized last week. It was uh, really last minute that we had to cancel and, and just couldn't fit it back in. But we are excited to be back this week. And we are most excited, I think like everybody is, that NBA basketball is starting to kick off. We've had media days and, and things going on. But before we get into that, what's going on with you in Spain? How's your season going? Give us an update since we last talked. Um, we've, we've started the season, um, our last game, we lost at the buzzer. So we've kind of gotten off to a, you know, not a great, we're one and two. So it's still early. Um, the games have been very, very close. Every game has been very close except the first game we won by blowout, but the last two games have been very close. Um, you know, the new team, we're starting to mesh, starting to gel. You know, offensively, we're very, very good, very talented team. You know, we just have to work on some details so that we can, you know, close these close games out. But it's been fun, the process of having new teammates, new coaches. You know, I've, I've enjoyed this challenge so far. And then, of course, the weather out here, <laughs> it makes it great. <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously that's something we're going to talk about with a lot of guys on the heat being new to a team. And, and you know, people forget about that sometimes. You have to acclimate not only to your team, but to new surroundings, the way that your life is going, you know, in a different place, um, you know, in some cases bringing family and, and things like that. So, you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, your new team, new situation, what do you think, you know, in terms of like, how does that process go? It, it just sometimes just takes time, right? I mean, there's really nothing too much you can do besides just continue to work every day. Yeah, the, you can't skip the process. Um, when, you, when you're trying to be good, when you, you're talking about competing, you know, for championships, which that's what I'm all about. You know, you can't skip the process. It's a day-to-day -day process. It's a day-to-day -day learning process. And the only way to... to to get better is to go through those wars, to go through those battles in practice and then go through those battles in the game. Um, build that callus, build that chemistry. And, and that's what we're doing. We're going through that process. And it always helps to fast track when you have talented players um, who know how to play the game. And, you know, I can use some of my experience from playing on different teams to try to help fast track. But, you know, you can't, you can't simulate anything like a video game. You know, you just have to go through it. And then obviously the off the court, you know, being comfortable, learning your way around the city, you know, learning your routes, learning, you know, what restaurants you like, learning the time of day that you want to, you know, do things, you know, all of those things just take time. And, and you know, going to a new league and playing with a new team, what have you seen so far in terms of competition, whether it's on your team, the talent of your team, but also with your opponents? Uh, well, you know, the competition is really good out here in Spain. Um, as far as the domestic leagues in the world, um, this is probably the the best, if if not the best, definitely, you know, top two, you know, the domestic leagues. And when I say domestic leagues, I mean like for the countries, like the Spanish league, the Turkish league, the Russian VTB league, the Italian league, the, the, the Spanish league, the ACB is probably the best domestic league. Uh, in the world so the competition has been really good I mean it, it'd be guys you know guys that if you if you don't live in Spain you probably never heard of but can come out and you know and score 20 30 you know 40 points and you'd be like man why he's not in the NBA 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's, so the competition is, is very good. And, um, you know, obviously EuroLeague is the, other than the NBA, EuroLeague is the top competition. But, you know, domestically, the Spanish League is, you know, it has four or five EuroLeague teams in it. It has another four or five Euro Cup teams in it. And then it has another four or five Champions League teams in it. So it's from top to bottom, it's, you know, the most competitive league, you know, in the world outside of probably the EuroLeague. I'm sure that's good. You know, as a competitor, you want to play against the best. And, you know, the NBA, there's 450 guys, but there are, you know, more than 450 great players around the world. And so it's good to be challenged. I'm sure you're having a good time. And we're, uh, we're happy to keep, you know, checking in on it and hearing how it's going. As we go through this season, uh, I do want to talk real quick about one of our sponsors, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. We're approaching basketball season coming up here soon. Major League Baseball playoffs. Even hockey is coming up pretty soon. So this is that time of year where you have all the sports on the menu. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football and other sports. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get all your bets for your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Norris, we're going to jump right into our show today. So we talked about what's going on with you over in Spain. I have a couple NBA topics, and then we're going to jump right into media day. That's the thing that's really the hot topic, not just with the Heat, but with the NBA at large right now. Um, one topic I wanted to bring up, and I thought this would be interesting to hear your perspective, is the NBA is changing their basketballs this year. Uh, traditionally, they've used a spalding ball. And this years ago, and I, and I can't remember exactly when this was, they changed a little bit of the ball for like the beginning of the season. It was still a Spalding ball, but the feel of the ball. Now they're going to a Wilson. What is your perspective as a player? And, and you've certainly played with, you know, different brands of basketballs as you've grown up over time and in different leagues, the feel and everything is different. What is your perspective on that? The changing of the ball, how does that impact you as a player? Well, I've, I've been fortunate enough to train with the Wilson ball, and there's really no difference in the Wilson ball and the Spalding ball because it's made of, like, the same material. Uh, several years ago, when you talk about the NBA changed the balls um, and then they went back, it's because they actually changed the texture of what the basketball was, and that's why it was a problem, and the league saw that problem and, and adjusted and went back. The Wilson ball, you know, I don't believe it's going to be that problem. It's just the brand is different. But as far as the actual basketball, it feels the same. And so I, I don't I don't think it'll be as big as an issue this year as it was, you know, several years ago. But it does make a difference when, you know, you have to adjust to, like, out here in Europe, you have the FIBA basketballs. Then you have the EuroLeague basketball. Then you have the, the ACB League basketball, the Italian League basketball, like – each competition, they have their own basketball, so that can be a challenge. But I don't think, you know, in the NBA this year, I don't believe that it's going to be that big a deal because it's made of the same, you know, leather that the Spalding ball is made out of. It's just it's going to have Wilson on there instead of Spalding. Yeah, and I would imagine guys knowing going into the season have spent time using the Wilson balls this summer. I mean, you know. Oh, for the, sure, for sure. All know, the being, trainers, yeah. all the top trainers, you know, was able to get their hands on them and have the guys train with them. 
Yeah. And so I think that that gets over that hurdle. And, you know, like you said, the feel of it being very similar, the seams and things like that, that you're feeling for as a player, when you're shooting the ball, um, mm -hmm. it, it should be something that's pretty easy. I, you know, I, as a coach, we always use the Wilson evolution. I always love that basketball, the way it feels, it holds up really well. Um, to me, that's one of the best balls. I know they're not using the evolution ball, um, but I did see pictures of it. It looks very similar. Um, so I, hopefully, obviously last time there were some issues, but I don't think they're going to have any issues this time with this new Wilson ball. And hopefully for the heat, that ball is one that goes right through the rim. That's what we want most, you know, most important. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can fix that, but uh, hopefully it goes in. Um, talking about the heat, you know, media day started. And right before that, there was finally announcement. We've talked about this a few weeks ago. We got into a, a, a little bit of debate. You know, I thought maybe you were going to agree with me about the Goran Dragic thing. And there was a little controversy when we posted the, the show. Some, some of the listeners were kind of up in arms about the Goran Dragic take. And, and you didn't disrespect him by any means, but you just kind of were hesitant about it. And it was announced that Kyle Lowry will wear number seven for the Miami Heat. And just one note, it was with the blessing of Goran Dragic. Do you want to, you know, kind of put a cap on that story since we talked about it before and now it's kind of coming to an end? Um, uh, I kind of kind of knew that that was going to be the case. Um, yeah, I mean, Kyle Lowry is Kyle Lowry. He's a NBA champion. Like I said, he's an Olympian. He's a multi-time all-star. You know, whatever number he wants to wear is what he's going to get to wear. It should be that way, unless you're talking about, you know, D-Wade or, you know, the guys that's already been retired or that you, like, just guaranteed is going to be retired. Other than that, you know, you you know, he's a big-time free agent. He's a big-time player. You know, I kind of figured that that was going to happen. And I'm glad that, you know, Goran blessed it. But, you know, <laughs> even if he didn't, I mean, Kyle Lowry is Kyle Lowry. <laughs> that's what I had to say about it. Yeah, we can keep it moving on that one. It's you know, I saw him on media day. It did look weird just in general to see him in a heat uniform. I, I like seeing him in a heat uniform, but it did take some adjusting. And that number mm -hmm. seven looked good on him. So I'm definitely happy that he is here and that he's wearing number seven. Uh the last Absolutely. one, last one I want to ask about as a uh, former player of Eric Spolstra, there is going to be an opening for Team USA. And he has been involved in that, you know, pipeline and in preparing teams. What do you think about the possibility of with Popovich moving, you know, moving on, being older, not coming back as the Team USA coach by his choice? Um, do you think he's a guy that would fit into that type of setting? You know, a, a, a Team USA, a commitment, obviously, to, you know, a couple years of time. What do you think about Eric Spolster as a Team USA coach? Uh, I believe Spolster is capable of doing anything he wants to do. He's that level of coach. Um, I don't believe that it'll be too much for him. I mean, he's already coached the best player of this generation on his team, and he's coached other, you know, stars, you know, on the big three and other all-stars, you know, on the Miami Heat. So, and he's been trained, you know, when he wasn't the head coach, he was an assistant coach and a video coordinator and all that and seeing all those other, you know, great players come up through the Heat organization and, you know, had Pat, you know, Pat Riley as a mentor to get him ready. So, I don't I don't believe that it's too much for him. I believe he can he can do it. I believe he's more than capable. Um, it's just a matter of if that's what he wants to commit to. Uh, it's not a matter of can he do it or will he fit in. I, I, it's a matter of, you know, does he want to commit to that? Because he's he's established to me, you know, that he's one of the top coaches in the game. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a time commitment and he has two young kids. He has a wife. Right. That's, that's something that you have to consider because it's not just asking, Hey, can you come coach team USA for four weeks? It's, it's a commitment of years going through this process of qualifying tournaments and things like that. So that's a great point. Cause I think it would be a great honor for him. Um, it'd be a great honor for the Miami heat. Obviously we've had multiple players play in the Olympics, um, but we've never had a coach in that capacity. Um, he's been involved and other guys have been involved, but it'd be cool to see him do that. So let's move into the um, let's move into media day. So Monday was media day um, really around the league all over the place. And I want to just focus on the heat. And before we talk about our players this year, just as a player, what is media day like? You know, it's kind of like the first day you're walking into the gym. Um, they didn't have a practice. What do you remember about media day? And I'm sure in your experience, because of the the guys that were around you, that, that was quite a circus, I can imagine. Yeah, media day was always a fun day. It was, you know, on, on our team, you know, obviously we had a special team, so it was media from all over the world. <laughs> but it was fun. You know, you just enjoyed it. It's part of the it's part of the business, it's part of it. But you know, I had a I had a great time with it, you know, the different videos, the different shoots, the different angles. Um the different uniforms. It, it, it was, it was fun. It was, you know, when, 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 when you have media day, that lets you know, like, okay, the season is here. It's like, that's, that's the last time where you like, okay, everything after this, you know, it's work time. And so that's, that's the feeling I got, you know, it was like, I, it was exciting. It was fun. And everything after that, it was like, okay, now it's time for the real practices, the time for the real games to begin. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a couple quotes and, um, you know, just kind of reflecting on what is said. And obviously, we understand that in media day, when you're you're bombarded with questions, some of them are just kind of like the canned questions that are asked by everybody. Some of them, you know, around the league, there were questions about vaccination. It really didn't come up with the heat very much. But we're going to talk about basketball because we finally have survived all that time since we were eliminated, unfortunately, by the Bucks. We finally have basketball to talk about again. And it's very close to having preseason games and things like that. So I'm going to start off with a couple of quotes from Eric Spolstra. Uh, the first one is about Kyle Lowry. And then he says, getting easy buckets and generating a pace where guys will run and know they will get the ball. His pace is one of the things I dreaded most competing against him. So I want to ask about the pace and, you know, acquiring Kyle Lowry one of the things we've we've talked about on the show is he's going to create for other guys. He is not the fastest point guard in the NBA by any means, but he is a guy that can control the pace. How do you feel, you know, as a team, when we're looking at this roster, a little bit of an older roster, what do you think the Heat are going to do in terms of pace? Well, the, the good thing – that the Heat have going for them, if they have multiple guys that can rebound the ball off the rim and push it, Bam can push it off the break. Jimmy can push it. Tyler can push it. Vic, when he's healthy, can push it. And then obviously, you know, Kyle Lowry, you know, he can push the pace. And as a veteran, he knows when to push the pace. You know, he knows how to draw fouls. You know, he knows how to, you know, push the break. And then, you know, you don't have nothing, dribble it out and get something. And more importantly, you can advance the ball with the pass. And Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, those guys, they can get the rebound outlet and skip the ball up the floor with the pass. And that creates pace as well. And so they have multiple ways of 
quote unquote playing with pace. You know, it doesn't have to be speed dribbling every time. And that's that's the IQ and the knowledge that Kyle Lowry has. And that's the, you know, the IQ that, you know, Jimmy and, you know, Coach Spolster, you know, they have. So they'll be able to play at the at a faster pace whenever they want to. And they also, you know, they can slow it down. You know, the thing I'm excited to see about that is on paper, we should be very good defensively. And I think yes. when it gets into the games, it's not going to be on paper. It's going to be in reality. We're going to be very good defensively. And mm-hmm. I think we've addressed the problem that we have with rebounding. And ultimately to run, it's hard to do that when you're taking the ball out of the net. You have to get absolutely. Stops. You have to get rebounds. And as you mentioned, then it's not like I have to grab the rebound and I'm Shaq and I'm outlouding, outletting it to a point guard. Bam can get the rebound and go. Jimmy can get the rebound and go. Um, Kyle Lowry can get the rebound and go. You know, on and on. You mentioned a bunch of guys. That's the advantage, I think, in transition where it's positionless. You have so many guys that can attack. The defense isn't set. I, I just, it's only going to help our offense. Uh, would you agree with that? Absolutely. That's, it's only going to help. And I know, Spo, I, you know, I've played in the system. Whoever gets the ball off the rebound, if they're capable of pushing it, Everyone else is going to know their lanes that they're going to run, you know, sprint to the wide corners, sprint, you know, to the dunker position. And then the trailer comes in and trails, you know, those are going to be things that, you know, they're probably working on right now in training camp, you know, and once the season starts, it's going to be like machine work, you know? So if Kyle Lowry gets the ball and he pushes the break, guess who's going to be ahead? Duncan Robinson is going to be sprinting ahead. You understand? On the backside, Jimmy, he's going to be sprinting ahead. If Bam gets the ball off the break, off the rebound, he's going to be dribbling with the pace and then coming to the dribble handoff with Kyle Lowry or with Duncan Robinson to come off and shoot the three. Or he's going to outlet it ahead to Jimmy. Jimmy's going to push it. And then if the defense is back, guess what? Reverse dribble, kick out, boom, catch and go, dribble handoff. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be like clockwork. And this is these are the things that they're going to probably be working the first weeks of training camp. And being able to have multiple guys that can do that, I think, you know, other than, like you said, the defense and the rebounding, I think if they're able to get that type of chemistry, they're going to be very tough to deal with in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I love to hear that. It's it's going to be fun to watch defensively, and it's going to be fun to watch offensively. I think both ends of the floor, we're going to have a great product. And when you play that type of style, it's it's just a fun brand of basketball to watch. Now, that's the new era, man. Positionless yeah. basketball. <laughs> you know, and, and you guys, in a way, had that type of roster. I mean, when you're talking mm-hmm. about that, I was thinking in my mind, you know, you had yourself and Rio that were the point guards, but you also had Dwayne that could bring it up, LeBron that could bring it up. You had on and on and on and on. It's that same type of concept, you know, that it didn't have to go into the hands of one person. Everybody can exactly. push, make you defend sideline to sideline, stretching it out with the shooters, make you defend baseline to baseline because you have pace, because you're good defensively. It's going to be interesting, man. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting excited, you know, just thinking about it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm going to give you another quote this time. It's Eric talking about P.J. Tucker. Uh, he said, the way he competes and puts himself out there just screams Miami Heat culture. We know we love that word, Miami Heat culture. He's fierce. He's tough. He's edgy. What do you think you're going to see out of P.J. Tucker? Just that. You're going to see high competitiveness. You're going to see the chippiness, the edginess. You know, and I believe he's going to make winning plays, you know, and obviously when Jimmy breaks down the defense or Kyle Lowry breaks down the defense or Bam breaks down the defense, you know, who's one of the top corner three point shooters in the league, 
P.J. Tucker. So, you know, other than the chippiness and the competitiveness, he's also going to bring that spacing to knock down those corner threes. Yep. And speaking of heat culture today after practice, we're recording this on Tuesday. So after the first day of practice, PJ was on and uh, gave a pretty good quote representing heat culture. It doesn't take long for these guys to buy into it. This is his quote. He said, every second of practice was intense. A lot of communicating, a lot of talking, a lot of hard work. We're going to be a good team from the first day, the way that we compete, the, the way that guys communicate with each other, the way that coaches communicate. They're so interactive. You just get that feeling. I've never been in an Eric Spolster practice, Norris. You've been in tons of them. Mm-hmm. Paint a picture for us. I know the quote does a very good job of what an Eric Spolster practice is like. We're done with day one, lots of practice ahead, lots of things to learn. But what is it like? Well, early in the year, you know, Spoh is going to see what he has. So he's going to have some competition drills just to see. You know, you hear about God's competitiveness, but, you know, he's going to put you in, put us in situations to let's see how competitive you really are. And so, like, you know, you heard today how intense it is. Um, you know, that's one of the first things you're going to see is how competitive the guys are. And then secondly, obviously, he's going to, you know, test that conditioning. You know, you're going to practice at a pace, you know, in between drills, moving to the next drill, trying to see not only can you physically keep up, but can you mentally, you know, keep up with, you know, what's going on, you know, when he's throwing different, you know, terminology out there, because they're, they're going to communicate, like PJ said, there's going to be a lot of communication going on. But can you pick up on it? And can you, you know, mentally stay locked in while that physical, you know, fatigue is setting in, while that physical competition is setting in? These are all things, you know, that Spo likes to do early, you know, while he's putting, you know, while he's putting the foundation in for what the team is going to be about. And so now that's the biggest thing, especially this early in the season is, you know, the, comp- the physical competition, the physical um, drive and competitiveness and fatigue, and then also being able to mentally, you know, pick up on, you know, the tendencies and pick up on the rules you know, that we play by, you know, in Miami. One more question about the practice. And, you know, obviously, like I've said, I've, I'm a high school coach. So there, I'm doing a lot of teaching and it's because mm-hmm. of, it's not the same type of talent, obviously. You know, I don't, I don't have NBA or WNBA level players. So right. when you're a, in a pro practice, Eric Spolstra, how much teaching are these coaches doing? Because you guys are among the best players in the world. You know, you've, you've come up through high school, college, you've been around great coaches. You understand the game, different guys at different levels of understanding, but how much teaching of, you know, concepts, whether it's, you know, let's just talk defense. We've been talking about a lot of defense here, the communication that PJ talked about, things like that. How much teaching is happening in a professional practice? Well, each, each team organization is different, but I can tell you, Miami Heat, they they do fundamental teaching. Like, no, <laughs> no player is too big to learn or hear the fundamentals. Um, so we actually go over closeout drills, defensive slides, and then terminology. Terminology is very important because each team's terminology is different. So you, in order to communicate, you have to speak the language. If you if you speak one language and I'm speaking a different language, then we, we're not a team or a unit out there in the court. So learning the terminology and practicing that terminology is very important early. So, I'll, you know, I'll give you an example. So some teams may call, you know, the side defense when you keep the ball to the side. Some teams may call it ice. Other teams may call it down. Another team might call it a, a different color, blue or whatever. And so you need to know at the Miami Heat, okay, we call it 
no, I'm just using this name for example. We call it ice. So every time the ball's on the side, we need to be hearing everyone ice, 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 ice. That's the type of communication when you're talking about in, in the middle pick and roll. You might, if you if we're doing show, um, we might call that black or whatever. And so when you're doing the two on two, three on three, four on four, five on five, you know, competition drills, you know, when the side pick and roll comes up with the five or the four men and we're showing, we might say that's a black. We need to be hearing that everybody black, 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 you know. And so that's that's the terminology and getting everybody on board with that. Cause um, you know, everybody knows those positions on the court, but being able to speak it and have the help side be in position, you know, that's the important part. And so, yeah, the Miami Heat teaches, you know, all of those little things because those little things are how you're going to win. Cause everybody in the NBA can jump, dunk, shoot, physical that's on every team, but who can communicate the terminology, the verbiage and, and be clear and execute. That's, those are the good teams. Yeah, I love that. I think it relates back to what you talked about with your team, your experience right now is you're trying to create habits where when you're on the floor, you're not thinking, you're just reacting. You're saying, right. you're not thinking about it because, you know, that game is so fast. You, you know, better than any of us. It's so yeah, fast. Sure. You hesitate for a half a second. That half a second is the difference between Jason Tatum dunking the ball and Bam making that exceptional play that we talked about a few weeks ago. So, you know, it's it's exciting to see. It's exciting to hear about. Um, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall and just be able to see everything going on in that practice. But, you know, it's going to be a couple of weeks. We'll have some preseason games. You know, it's not exactly, you know, the the greatest product because it's it's a tune-up. It's not exactly the, the highest competition, but you start to see some basketball and then it's full speed ahead because we'll be playing the Bucks for our first game in, in basically a month. So exciting about that part. Um, I do have one, a couple more things just to talk about. Um, Tyler Hero, we've been talking about him all offseason. Finally, we get to talk about Tyler and basketball. Thank God, because we've been talking everything about Tyler besides basketball. And Eric brought up some things with him. Um, you know, he mentioned that everything in his first year was roses and compliments. So you think back to his rookie year, everyone loved him. The bubble, you know, he was like a superstar. And then all of a sudden, things started to shift. And really publicly, he says, things started to shift. And he said, it's funny because the second year was really better statistically even though the narrative shifted, he talks about Tyler gaining 10 or more pounds over the course of the summer. He really changed his body. What do you expect out of Tyler? And when, when you add that weight, um, what do you think the impact is going to be? Is it, is it offensively, defensively, a little bit of both? How do you think that extra weight is going to help Tyler? Well, I think it's going to help him for both. Um, and it's, it's natural. You know, he came into the league as a young, you know, a young man. Like he was very young coming into the league. And, you know, as a, as a man, you know, your body's still developing when you're 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, you know, so it's not really that difficult to, you know, if you, if you're working out consistently and you're, you're eating consistently, it's not that difficult because your grown man weight is going to, you know, it's going to naturally happen. So I think he's just filling into his body. Um, I believe he's, he's training hard the way he's supposed to, he's being a professional and I think it's going to make him feel more secure out there on the court defensively for sure. And then offensively, I think it's just going to help his arsenal. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens with Tyler, you know, having a real off season, almost for the first time in his career, he dealt with mm -hmm. the COVID season. He dealt with a short or basically no off season last year. And so now it's, it's really exciting to see hopefully what's going to happen with him because if he, pops off if Oladipo pops off we have a team that's just going to be exceptional to watch yeah he, he 
any not just him, any all any young player that's came into the league last year or the year before that with the bubble, any young player coming into the league these past two seasons has had the hardest, you know, the toughest beginning of a career that you could, you know, probably have, you know, as far as with rules and as far as in the bubble, with you know, with COVID, with no training camp, you know, it's it, it's it's tough, you know, and so I think we got we have to be fair, and I think with the circumstances, Tyler has. You know, he's been a productive player for us, and he's shown that he has major upside. Definitely. We'll close it up talking about our two premier players, Bam and Jimmy. Bam had some interesting comments that were definitely things that Heat fans wanted to hear, talking about shooting. Um, He reiterated basically that he wants to be a shooter. He said his direct quote is, quote, I want to be a shooter. And they asked him if he would want to attempt more than one three a game. He laughed and simply said, yes. What do you think we're going to see this season with Bam's improvement in shooting? And what do you think about that stretching out to the three-point line and attempting at least one three a game? I believe Bam is going to play to his strengths. And he's going to sprinkle in, you know, a three or two. I don't think he's going to come out and just be hoisting threes. I, don't, I hope people don't didn't get the wrong idea. What he's saying is he would like to expand his game. He has been working on his game. But, you know, he's still going to do – his strengths, which are rebounding, dribble handoff, pick and pop in that mid post, you know, and then every now and then he's going to sprinkle in some, you know, some pick and pop threes or some trail threes. But, you know, I hope people don't get the idea, like, all of a sudden, Bam is just going to be out there, like, you know, Porzingis just shooting all threes because that that would take away from his other physical gifts that he has. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a guy that's very focused on – playing the right way, being efficient. I think that's taught to him by the Heat staff, and I I would agree. I wouldn't expect him to shoot a lot of bad shots. I think when they're presented, I think he's going to be more willing. I think he's worked at it this summer. I'm exciting to see that part uh, about his expansion of his game. So we'll close up talking about Jimmy. I don't know how we got all this way and not talked about Jimmy. It's it's interesting. We almost started to take him for granted. I mean, he's like our best player, our superstar. I mean, he's, he's, he's the face of our franchise. And we just went through this whole list, and now we're getting to Jimmy. But I want to talk a quote of him talking about Kyle Lowry. So he says, uh, he takes a lot of pressure off myself, off Bam. You mentioned this earlier, Norris, about kind of taking the ball out of his hands sometimes. He said, quote, he gives Bam room just to go and be who you are and not worry about too much else. Kyle also talked later on about how he enjoys making other players better and how he is, over his career, made guys lots of money. It's something that he enjoys. Um, what do you think about that, you know, kind of the, the mentality that you have as a point guard of helping other people, sort of the quarterback of the basketball court, and then touch a little bit. What do you think about the relationship between Lowry and Jimmy? Obviously it was a big part about him getting here, but you could see that even early on the relationship that they have, the friendship that they have, the fun that they were already having on media day and how that's going to impact maybe making the transition a little bit easier. Well, as a, as a guard, as a point guard, and especially an all-star level point guard, that's that's what your job is, is to make, you know, other guys better. You know, whether it be encouraging them or whether it be setting them up to make baskets, you know, or whether, you know, sometimes it means, you know, carrying, carrying the load offensively. And Kyle Lowry has done a little bit of all of those things and, you know, has helped guys to, you know, you know have a successful career. And I believe that he's going to continue to do the same thing, continue to, 
make life easier for his teammates because he's he's able to do anything you ask him to do. If you need him to shoot, space out and shoot, he can shoot. If you need him to make plays off the dribble, pick and roll, he can do that. You need him to take a charge, you need him to, you know, you know, play solid, you know, lockdown defense, you know, he can do that. You need him to bring energy, bring spirit, team spirit, you know, he can do that. And so when you have one guy that can do all of those things from the point guard position, you know, you, you got to have that guy on your team. And so he's going to, he's definitely going to bring that. And then as far as the relationship with Jimmy, I always say this real recognize real, <laughs> And, you know, Jimmy's a killer. There's no mistake about it. He's a he's a alpha male. He's an A-level, you know, high-level competitor. And so is Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, is, you know, he's a bulldog out there on the court. You know, he he doesn't back down from anyone. He's, he's no fear. He's no nonsense. And so when you have, you know, two guys that are going to have to play on the court together at the same time, it's nice to be able to look over there and know, like, oh, he's going to hold his own. No, you know, he's a, he's he's like me. He got that bulldog mentality. He ain't going to take no mess, you know. And so when you have multiple guys on the court out there at that level of talent, because, you know, some guys are have that attitude, but, you know, just the talent is not superstar level. But when you have two, you know, max level, championship level, Olympic level guys out there competing at that level, your team is always going to have a chance. Yeah, I love that. And it's, it's great to hear us talk and be excited about a season. I mean, if you go through this 30 minutes that we've been talking, it's excitement, it's passion. We have a great team. The Heat have done a good job of building a roster. Right now we are undefeated. We're heading towards the season. And it's honestly, it's just good to talk basketball. I think I can, you can share that same idea. Absolutely, man. You know, I mean, I'm excited about, you know, football season too, but you know, NBA is nothing like the, the association, man, being able to, you know, have all the stars come together, being able to see the teams, you know, see if the hype is going to, you know, live up to all of that on the court, you know, just the speculation that, you know, there's nothing like basketball season, you know, it's only the beginning, but it gives us, you know, it gives us some good conversation. Absolutely. And before we close it out, one guy that has not been at camp, unfortunately had a loss in his family uh, is the captain, Udonis Haslam, his father passed away. So we want to send our wishes out to Udonis. Uh, obviously, he's dealing with that, and he'll be back at camp soon once he's ready. Uh, I'll let Norris uh, touch on that, and then we will uh, close it out, and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, man, prayers. Prayers up to you know, UD and his family. Um, you know, we're praying for you, brother. We're wishing you the best. Um, we know you're a strong dude, you know, but, you know, at this time, you know, we understand what you're going through, and, you know, hopefully, you know, everyone else out there can give him and his family some privacy, give him some time to recover from this. You know, if, if there's ever a such thing as recovering from it. Um, but, you know, UD, we're praying for you. We love you. And whenever you're ready to come back, you know, you know, we're going to have you back. For Heat Nation, another episode. We appreciate the love, the comments. Keep subscribing. Keep the likes. And until next week, we out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.